Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the Word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, rolmt.com, or download our app. Just search R-O-L-M-T in your app store. Thanks. Well, good evening, River of Life. Hey, I just want to take a moment. First of all, I just want to thank you. This church is so generous. Uh, Every year... Uh, my wife and I and, and the staff were always so blown away by just the generosity of this church. So I just want to thank you in advance for that. And uh, we are excited because we made a couple of moves. The first weekend that they announced Pastor Appreciation Weekend, they said that that was going to happen next weekend. But we've made a little bit of a, a move because already on the, the 22nd and 23rd, we're going to celebrate together with Baptism Weekend. And so we want to encourage you, if you've not yet been baptized in water, sign up. We would love to celebrate that with you. And if you've got friends or family that you would like to have participate, you can invite them into the house. Or if they're somewhere else, you can have them watch online. And it's just a great way for us to celebrate together. Also, the reason that we moved it is because next weekend... My cousin Dwayne is coming from Canada to come and share the word with us. And if you've been here when Dwayne's been here, you know you don't want to miss next weekend. It's going to be really, really good. And, uh, and so he was able to escape from communist Canada. And um, it's kind of a joke, but kind of not. Um, so, and he'll probably make more of those jokes when he gets here. Um, but we were, we were actually waiting to announce it because we wanted to make sure that he actually was able to leave the country. And he landed. He's in Phoenix right now. And they'll be heading this way this Thursday. And they'll be able to spend the weekend with us. So we're excited about that as well. So I just want to encourage you, be here the next few weekends. We're expecting God to do some incredible things. Again, if you've not been baptized in water, make sure you stop by the Welcome Center. You can sign up there. You can do it right on the app if you want to. But we would love the opportunity just to celebrate together as a church family. Amen? Well, we've been in a series that we've called The Pushback, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know that essentially what we're talking about is this idea and the understanding that we know that the day will come when Jesus Christ will return and he will take his church. And so, so we live in this, in this season right now where it feels like there's this continual slide towards um, sin just being more acceptable and, and bad being called good and good being called bad. And so I just, was, while I was coming out of my sabbatical, I really felt like the Lord was saying to me, it is your job to prepare the church, to make sure that they're ready because the time is coming. And none of us know the day nor the hour, but we need to be prepared. And so we've spent the last few weeks just looking at, at different ideas, but part of that can come off a little bit feeling political, and if you've been a part of River of Life Church for any amount of time, you know that, that we, we try to leave the politics at the door because whether you're red or you're blue or whether, whatever your, your belief system is, God loves you right where you are and he has a plan and a desire for your life. And so, so what I don't want you to do is I, I want you to, even today as we talk about some of these things, I want you to hear my heart and understand where I'm coming from because my job is not to make you change political parties. It's not my job. My job is to show you Jesus Christ, like to point the way and get out of the way, or point the point and, and clear the path, right, so that you can see him, and he, he and his Holy Spirit will speak to you and bring you to where you need to be. But every weekend during this series, we've talked about different stories of people who have given up great sacrifices for their faith. And, and we do that because I think it's important for us to be reminded that not everybody lives in this bubble 
that we live in, in this, in this country. And so I want to read to you another story. It's from the book, Jesus Freaks. It's what I've been using for the last couple of weeks. And it's, it, it, uh, I think it's a pretty powerful one. Over and over, a mother spoke soothing words to her five-year-old child as they sat in a dark, damp cell. The woman was in jail because she had protested against the arrest of her bishop. Her child was in jail because the little girl had nowhere else to go. All the prisoners were indignant at seeing this child suffer so. Even the prison director said to the mother, don't you have pity on your daughter? Just declare that you give up being a Christian and that you will not go to church anymore. Then you and your child will be free. In despair, the woman agreed and she was released. After two weeks, she was forced to shout from a stage before 10,000 people, I am no longer a Christian. On their return home, the child who had stood near her when she, when she denied her faith, said, Mommy, today Jesus was not satisfied with you. The mother explained, You wept in prison. I had to say this out of love for you. So May, five years old, replied, I promise that if we go back to jail again for Jesus, I will not weep. The mother ran to the prison director and told him, You convinced me I should say wrong things for my daughter's sake but she has more courage than I. Both went back to prison, and Salme no longer wept. Let's pray. God, in the next few moments, Lord, as we're gonna spend some time in your word, I pray, Father God, that you'll prepare our hearts, that you'll show us who you've called us to be. But God, as we, as we know that things are gonna get hard, I pray, Father, that you'll help us to understand that you are with us that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that God, you see us right where we are, and as we lean into you, God, you are so faithful. And Lord, even as, we, as we've sang about things change on your authority, I pray, God, that we will not forget that that's, that's not lyrics to a song, that's the truth of your word. And so, God, help us to, to stand on that authority. And, God, I pray for those who are watching in Alaska, and I pray, God, that your, your word would penetrate their heart. And those who are joining us in Star Valley, we're so grateful, God, for what you're doing there. And, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would rise up a people there, a people group that will stand and, and shout from the rooftops who you are, and that we would see revival in that valley. And, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're already started in Malawi God, we just pray for Ted and Ida that, Lord, you would do amazing things through them and through that church as it continues to move forward. God, we give you all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. So last weekend, I took some time and I told you how important it was for us to be purposeful in preparing our children. We spent time talking about this reality of the world that we live in, that we can no longer just be parents who, who hope that our children will turn out okay. We've got to pour in them. We've got to pay attention to them. We've got to watch and we've got to pray because there is an enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy a generation. And I preached that last week and then this week I watched as the Department of Justice of this country has come out saying that they will spend time and effort and resources looking into parents who are standing up at school board meetings. And it was even thrown about the words domestic terrorists. 
So look at the country that we're in right now because we've come to a place where we are trying to be allies with the Taliban and now those who are trying to influence the children's education are now known as terrorists. You want to tell me that we're not in a time where right is wrong and wrong is right? This new society that has been created wants to raise your children. So much so that they treat parents who will not just sit idly by while they're pushing their agendas, they'll treat them as the enemy. Jude chapter 1, verse 18. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. This last week, or just I think it was two weeks ago now, the House Oversight Committee meeting was on legalizing or legal abortion. And a woman said with a straight face in the middle of this hearing, people are being left out of this conversation today because as we know now, people get pregnant, not just women get pregnant. Nobody said anything. This woman said that men can get pregnant in a hearing and everybody's too afraid to say something. A woman named Amanda Presto from the Daily Wire heard what, heard what had been said and she tweeted this, demanding others call for, uh, uh, call you to, oh, sorry, demanding others call you by your prefer, preferred pronoun and growing out your hair does not make you a woman. Stop demeaning womanhood. And for that attack on pregnant men, she was removed from Twitter. The head of the Labour Party in the UK, so in the, in the UK there's the Conservatives and the, and the Labour Party, so it's like the Democrats and the Republicans, but this is the person who is the actual head of the Labour Party, is now saying and demanding that it needs to be known and that we need to address the fact that men can have a cervix. I want you to hear these things because we've got to understand where we're living. The Washington Post this week says, if we say pregnant women, we exclude those who are transgender and non-binary. Healthline. I don't know how many of you follow Sean Foyt, the, the guy who's going all over the country leading worship and just seeing incredible things. Sean Foyt reposted this, and it was from Healthline. I, I think they've got it up here. They can put it up on the screen. But it says this. It says, can men get pregnant? Is it possible? You go on to read the article, and it says, yes, it is possible for men to become pregnant. This is a health website. Can I just tell you, Things are insane. The truth is under attack like never before. And from a biblical perspective, God is truth, and his word is truth. And that is why his word is under attack. We have gotten to a point where we are starting to define truth as offensive. And as soon as you label something offensive, then it shuts the conversation down. We no longer can have adult conversations because if, you're, if I'm offended by you, then you need to just stop talking. And I'm telling you right now, this is what the Bible tells us is coming. So now when we speak true, truth, we may offend, so we have to worry about it. 
that we might get in trouble, that the thought police might come after us, that we might get canceled, that we might go to Facebook jail or whatever. And so we sit silent. Biblical truth will make people uncomfortable. But a generation is being raised to believe that you cannot say anything that will make anyone uncomfortable. Jesus made people uncomfortable. He walked and he pushed against those things that were not of him. And many of them were the religious that he pushed against. The religious had gotten into this pretty cool little groove where they had figured out how to make things work. And so Jesus came on the scene and he began to push against that. And he began to say, listen, I don't care if I offend you because I'm, going, I'm here to bring truth. As the church, we need to understand, we need to do things with love. You need to speak truth with love. Don't be the person out there being a jerk. That helps no one. But we also can't sit silently out of this fear that someone might be offended. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itchy ears, they will accumulate or they will acclimate themselves for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So I want to stop here for a moment because we're going to spend a little bit of time and we're going to talk about God's word tonight. This country was founded on truth. It was founded on the truth of God's word. Our laws were put into place based on God's law. But now this book is slowly being erased, even from the Christian community. We have churches now who are trying to remove parts of Scripture because it doesn't sit well with everyone. And I, I want you to hear that it's not an accident that the enemy is pushing in on all of these fronts. He's coming at your children. Why? So that as your children are raised, they won't understand what is truth. Because what they've been taught is that you have your truth, I have my truth. Don't invade my space, I won't invade your space. And so with that, then there is no truth. If everyone has their own truth, then there isn't actually a baseline that is true. And so when we see this happening in churches, we need, to, we need to push back and we need to say, no, if we're going to believe this book, we believe it from cover to cover. I, I was rereading a story in, about Elisha, and, and I want to give you a little backstory because Elisha has, has just gotten to the point where he had been, he'd come under Elijah, Elijah this great prophet, and, and now Elisha is, has been his understudy, and, and, and he says to Elijah, Elijah says, hey, I'm leaving, and, and, he, and he says, and you're going to take my place, and Elisha makes this really bold request, and he says, I want a double portion of your anointing. Like, I mean, that's bold. Like, to even just say, hey, Elijah, can I have what you have would have been bold. But he said, no, I want a double it. Like, I want twice what you, what you have. And so, so uh, we see this story unfold, and, and Elijah is taken to heaven in a chariot of fire, and, and now Elisha is, is now he's on duty. He's, he's got a ministry that he has to do. And so in 2 Kings chapter 2, the first thing that happens after that in verse 19 says this, one day the leaders of the town of Jericho visited Elisha. We have a problem, my Lord, they told him. This town is located in pleasant surroundings, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Elisha said, bring me a new bowl with salt in it. 
So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring that supplied the town with water and threw the salt into it. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I have purified this water. It will no longer cause death or infertility. And the water has remained pure ever since, just as Elisha said. So I want to look at this for a moment because in Matthew chapter 5, we see Jesus' own words. Verse 13, he said, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So Elisha, the town, they come and they say, listen, there's a lot of stuff that just isn't working. The water's no good. Plants are dying. People are getting sick. All this is going on. And Elisha says, hey, would you bring me a bowl with some salt? And he goes to the spring and he throws the salt in it. And to this day, the water is clean. It's pure. It's good. Why? Because God is showing us something. Later, he says, you're the salt. You're the one that changes things. You're the one that, that when thrown into something that is dead and is lifeless and is not working, when we as the salt get thrown into that, it changes things and it brings life again. So as we look at this, we need to understand we are called to be salt. That means we bring change. If we as believers are not changing the atmosphere when we go somewhere, we're not doing it right. If we're not making things different when we show up on the scene in this world that we live in where everything is, is a mess and, and right is wrong and wrong is right, when we step on the scene, there should be something different about us. So we need to remember that our primary job is to bring the change. Not to sit back and complain about anything. That's not our job. Part of the good news is that when we accept God's call, he goes before us. So I want to continue to read about Elisha because I rarely ever get the chance to preach this next story. So I'm going to take just a, you're just going to have to bear with me for a moment because I think it's, it's like one of my favorite stories in the Bible. But Elisha has this calling. God has said to him, listen, you're to go and you're going to bring my word, and, and, he's, and he sent them to, to different places. And so, so in this story, he had just done that miracle, and now he leaves, and he's going on his mission. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 22, you're going to understand why I like this story so much in just a moment. Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy, they chanted. <laughs> Go away, baldy. That's not funny. That's rude. <laughs> Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. That is the greatest story ever. So I want to I explain this for just a minute. So what's happened? Because you read that story, and you're like, that seems a bit harsh. Like... But what's happened is Elisha has this calling and he's supposed to go and he gets to the outside, the outskirts of the city where he's supposed to go and, and he gets there and, and there's these guys and they're waiting and they're, they're calling him baldy, which is rude in and of itself. But more than that, they're actually trying to block him from accomplishing what God wants him to do, yeah. right? They, they've made a decision that they're going to stop 
those who would try and try and enter their city to try and change things, right? They're probably the guys who like things the way they are, so I don't want you coming in and trying to change anything. So they're standing there, and the thing that I love about this story is Elisha knows that not only does he know he's called, but he also knows he has authority. What you need to understand is the church of Jesus Christ is that every one of you is called, and you all have authority. We don't just sing about it. We have it. Because his word tells us that we do. And so as we look at this story, I think it's incredible because he, he doesn't even waste a breath. They start mocking him and they're blocking his way. And there's more to the story than them just calling him baldy. Because that would be a little bit of an overreaction if that's why he did this. But he understood, these guys are standing between me and the call that God has for me. And so, so he, he calls out, he curses them and these bears. And some translations say, two mama bears come out. I mean, you know, we need some mama bears. We need some mama bears at school board meetings. We need some mama bears who are paying attention to what's going on with their kids. We got to quit just assuming that we don't have what it takes to stand up because Elisha faced with all these guys. You know, Elisha could have got to that place and went, whoa, that's a lot of opposition. I'm just one bald guy, man. I can't take on all of that. But instead, he said, you know what? This isn't my call. This isn't my thing. This is God's thing. And I'm going to stand on what is truth. And so because I'm standing on what is truth, that means that if you're going to come against me, you're actually coming against him. So as you come against me, just understand some mama bears are coming out of the woods, boys. That's the way it's happening. And so he does. He, he says... Basically, God handle it. And so this crazy scene, I can't even imagine. Like, when I get to heaven, it's one of the things I'd like to, like, can we rewind that? I'd like to just see what that looked like. Because those guys have been so shocked, right? And the bears come out, and they take them out, and then he proceeds with what God called them to do. See, the problem is oftentimes we stop the mission because we're like, well, I don't know how I could get beyond this. What if, what if all this bad stuff happens? What if my friends don't like me? What if I get canceled from social media? What if this happens? What if that happens? So I'm going to just sit here silently and I'm going to wait for someone else to stand up. But I'm telling you right now, we have to stand up. Our hope is not in our circumstance. It is in our God. And our God is in control. So oftentimes we allow our circumstance to dictate the way we're going to act. Again, Elisha could have stopped because the circumstance said, this isn't going to work. Well, maybe you go home for a while and you come back and try again later. But Elisha, knowing full well he'd been called, he now says, I'm going to step into this authority my, my mentor taught me that when God tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. And if something gets in my way, then I'm going to just stand back. God, you do you. Yeah. And for many of us, we need to understand that there may be things that will come against you that you can't do on your own. But in those moments, that's where you got to go. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm talking to people all the time now who, who again, I, I, we're not going to get into whether vaccine, not vaccine. I know many of you have been vaccinated. Many of you have not been vaccinated. And honestly, that's your personal choice, and you should be able to make that choice. 
But I'm, I'm talking to people all the time now who are having a pushback because they're not going to get vaccinated. And now they're, they're in this position where they're like, I don't know what to do about this because what if I lose my job or what if this or what if that? And every time that I've seen them stand and say, you know what, I'm just going to trust God because I don't feel right about doing this right now, then God steps in. But oftentimes, if we can't figure out the solution for ourselves, then we just stop moving forward. And God is saying, just trust me because I'm the one that placed the call on you. I'm the one that set you up for this thing. And so as he's done that, he's going to show up on your behalf. Amen. So as today, I want to just spend a little bit of time because I think that it's important for us to realize, again, last weekend we talked about the importance of us being parents and, and leading our children. But for many of us, what we need to understand is really the importance of this book. Because as I talk about authority, it's easy to go, oh yeah, we sang the song. But you need to be in the book so you understand what that authority means to you. Because you, you can't just wait and hear about it from the bald guy on the weekend. You need to be in this thing. You need to spend time in here so that when hard things press against you, you filled yourself with his word because it's his word that will bring life. It's that word that will make you the salt that you need to be. Many Christians have lost their saltiness because they're not, even, they're not even spending time with God. And it's when we spend time with him that all of a sudden he reinvigorates us and he, and he encourages us and he shows us who we're supposed to be and what this thing is supposed to look like. And out of that now, all of a sudden, I, I have this strength that comes from inside of me. And it's not my strength, it's his strength. But I spend time in his word and he shows me what he sees when he looks at me. Psalm chapter 119, starting with verse 101, it says this, I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you taught me well. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. Your word is a lamp to, my, to guide my feet and a light for my path. So with this upcoming, what we, t- what we labeled it last weekend was soft totalitarianism, how will we stand? We will stand by his word. As we read this, many of you know that last part, your word is a lamp that guide my feet and a light to my path. We know that part. But before that, he's saying, listen, I I love your word. I spend time in your word. I dig into your word. Why? Because it brings me life. It it brings me hope. It makes me who I'm supposed to be. So the more we lean into his word and understand that it is true, the more ready we will be when trials come, when tribulations push against us. Why has his word come so much under attack? Why have churches begin to diminish scripture? Because his word is a light in dark times. And so his people are diminishing it because they want it to not be quite so bright. It's a little bright. It might offend some people. You know, that's bright. It's shiny. I can talk about bright. <laughs> always makes me laugh when somebody else gets up on stage because they're always like, it's bright up here. But it's meant to be bright. And the darker the times, the brighter it needs to be. 
We can't diminish it. We can't take from it. We can't wipe things out. We can't remove stuff because it might be offensive to people. When we do that, what we're saying to God is, hey, you know what? Let me come alongside and help you out a bit. I'm sorry. He's perfect. And he wrote the book, which makes the book perfect. So when you start removing stuff, woe to you. It's the light. It's the thing that during all of this time, We've got to lean into it. We've got to understand it. We've got to realize that when we speak truth that comes from this book, it may be offensive. But can I tell you, if you've got friends or family and they're walking in the dark and you bring the light of his word to it, yeah, it may be hard for their eyes to adjust for just a moment, but the reality is it's the choice of that or they're stumbling in the dark. I wanted to take some time during this series, and I wasn't exactly sure how we were going to do this, but I really felt like, as I, even at the beginning of this, before, before I knew all of the layout of how I was going to preach these messages, I felt like when we talked about his word, there's something so important that we need to understand. We live in a time right now where, like, even, even coming to church, we rarely see people carrying the book, Right? And that's fine. I understand this is more convenient. I got it in my pocket. I got, I got all, the, all the different versions. So whatever Jason chooses to go from, I can get it. You're taking notes maybe on here. And that's all fine. But the reality is, is this thing is going to come under attack even more than it ever has. Yeah. And can I tell you something that I, I really feel like God laid this on my heart? It was, a, it was about a year ago, I think that there, were some, there was, there was some, some pushback. Again, we're talking you know, red and blue and all this stuff, but there was an app that came out and it was supposed to be the, the anti-Facebook and it was made for more conservative people to be on it. And, and what happened was tech decided they didn't like that app. And so Apple said, no more. Google said, no more. So they were gonna keep trying to have this app, but... Then Amazon said no more and went away. Now, I don't really care about that, but it showed me something. See, if, if our word is here, if this is where we're getting our word, if someday Apple decides that's offensive, that book offends us. If Google decides, hey, I don't like the talk of of, of one man and one woman and, and all that stuff and that's offensive to us and boom, it's gone. Boom, it's gone. Amazon says no longer can you be on our servers which is what more than 80% of the internet is on is on Amazon servers. Boom, it's gone. So now what? We need to have the book. We need to know the book too. Now, again, we, the United States of America, right? That's not going to happen. That's crazy. There's no way. I hope not. But what if? Are we ready? I asked the team, I said, hey, listen, I know most people probably have a paper Bible. 
But I just said, hey, let's order a bunch. We're going to have them in the back. And, and we've got some that are like the really good study Bibles. And so we're, we're selling the ones that are back there because we got all different. But we're selling for exactly what we paid for them. And there are some that if you're like, I can't afford anything right now, I'm, I think the cheapest one's five bucks, but if you can't even afford that, then you just tell them that and they'll, they'll give you one of those. That's fine. But we need to have the word. We need to have the word. And for those of you in Star Valley, you're gonna just tell uh, Zeb and Stacy what one you want and then we're gonna send them to you so you'll have them next week. But I just... We live in a time right now where there's so much hurt and so much pain. And even as we were preparing for tonight, our prayer team was walking this room. And I don't know if you know that they do that, but they, they walk the room and they pray over the chairs. They're just praying for whoever's going to sit in this chair. And they came to me afterwards and, and, and Lester told me, he said, he said, the word that the team was getting that did that was hurting. There are going to be people sitting today that are hurting. And maybe that's you today. And you're in this place, and maybe you came to this place, and you're kind of like, man, this is the last straw. I'm going to give this a chance, but I just don't know how much more I can take. Everything is pressing against me. Everything is hard, and it's a struggle. And as we were sitting over there in worship, I just really felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, I want to do a new thing in some people tonight. So I really, I just want to take a moment right now, and this is, this is not what was in the notes. This isn't the plan. But I really feel like there are some of you in this place today, and you are hurt. Maybe you've been in a relationship and it's hurt you. Maybe you. Maybe it's just the pandemic and all the stuff that's gone on with that and it's hurt you. Or maybe you lost a friendship. Whatever it is that's hurt you, I want you to, I want you to hear this because God sees you. He cares about you. So much so that he gave these people a word and then he affirmed it with me as I sat and worshiped. He sees you. And he wants to be there for you tonight. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If that's you, if you're in the room and whatever it is that you're maybe struggling with, would you just put your hand on your heart? And I want to pray for you tonight. Heavenly Father God, tonight we are grateful that you love us. God, I know that there are many in this room that have their hand on their heart right now and many that are watching online that have their hand on their heart right now. Guessing that there are many in Star Valley and Malawi and they have their hand on their heart right now. So Father, right now, we just ask for your healing touch. God, where there's been brokenness, we pray restoration. Where there's been wounding and trauma, we pray, God, for your healing touch, God, that you would bring peace where there seems to be turmoil. God, I pray for specifically for those who right now literally feel as though they are just filled completely to the brim with hurt. Like everything is disappointing in life right now. 
God, I just speak to that right now, and I just pray that where it was hurt, that tonight, Lord, you would bring hope. Because, God, you love them right where they are. You see them. You have not forgotten about them. That is a lie that the enemy is saying. You have not forgotten them. If you've got your hand on your heart right now, I just want you to say these words, Jesus, I need you. Step into my story. Heal me. There's power in those words. And I know he'll do it because his word says he will. This evening, I want to open up an opportunity for people to come and get prayed for. Our prayer teams are going to come forward right now. They're going to get ready. Maybe you just need to come and spend a little bit of time at the altar. Maybe, maybe you need to take your Bible and you need to just spend some time reading it. We need to know it. We need to spend time in it. We need him to speak to us. Because this is the foundation. This is the ruler. This is how we know what truth is. We've got lots of people shouting loud what truth is, but they actually have no idea. This knows what truth is. I want to pray over everyone. We're going to just worship. You need prayer, you can come. The prayer teams will be down here. They're ready to go. We're so grateful for your amazing love for us. We're grateful, God, that even though things are hard and, and crazy, and Lord, everything seems upside down at times, this is not surprising to you. You told us it was coming. So Father God, right now, we just trust you. Father, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice right now that, God, we will be a people of your word. That, God, we won't be just people of attending church once a week, but we will be a people of your word. And we praise you, God, because as we lean into your word, you will be a light to our path. You will show us truth. God, I pray that you'll rise up men and women who will stand for what is right that we will no longer cower in fear, but that, God, we will be bold in our faith, knowing that you are for us so no one can stand against us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we sing? The altars are open. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at rolmt.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstep at rolmt.com. Thanks. Thanks.